0: excited
1: our (laughs) longest one and we only have to do it once how great is that
0: (laughs) i can feel the sarcasm just dripping (laughs) through the audio
1: hello and welcome to another episode of midlight crisis a real podcast hosted by three grown-up biologists revisiting books from our teens and it's totally cool I am one of your hosts, Sophie, and for the last time ever, (laughs) well, maybe maybe not ever, but ever for now, (laughs) I have a randomly generated fantasy name. And my fantasy name for today is Samwan Griffin Bandit.
0: (gasps) You're stealing my name again. I am Sam again. Again. I'm stealing your name
1: and all of your griffins.
0: (laughs) Damn. Not my griffins.
1: (laughs) They're all mine. Oh my god. Whoever is in (laughs) the fantasy name generator right now is flipping through names. It's me. (laughs) And I just saw Moon Dipper, (laughs) Plant Crawler. (laughs) <laughs>
0: willa ling <laughs> anyway who are you guys my name is actually sam unlike <laughs> sophie the imposter but in uh fantasy land for the last time you can call me perella red bottom oh. i don't like that <laughs> perella
2: Redbottom. perella's fine that's not the problem
1: perella's good
2: the red bottom <laughs> red, red bottom. bottom i have some concerns
0: i'm <laughs> <laughs> um, trying make the generator <laughs> I, okay, listen, we don't random. need to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways hannah who are you <laughs> i hope you're
1: house chipper which is the current name that's <laughs> up on my screen <laughs> i'm not house chipper
2: i am in fact hannah but also for today only i am nickton last winner
1: oh the last winner the last last winner winner.
2: damn yeah what
1: was the first part
2: micton micton wow that's a normal name just a normal name for a normal guy (laughs)
1: normal guy
2: a normal last winner last winner dang
1: because it's the
2: last one we'll ever get until we decide to use this generator again
1: yeah it'll listen we don't have to do fantasy again for a minute i think it's true yeah (laughs) until it's funny again until it's funny again (laughs) much like when we finished twilight today we're doing the dragon biology episode we thought about doing any creature biology (laughs) in the book and then we were like we don't want this to be eight hours so we're just doing dragons and anything else you'll just have to go back and listen to the other episodes sorry (laughs) Obviously, this is going to be a little bit different setup-wise. We're just going to kind of go through things one by one, say things we were fairly sure about, and then make decisions on things that we were not.
2: It will be extremely efficient. We will not go off on any (laughs)
1: tangents. Never once in our lives. So I think let's just get right into the first thing we're going to talk about, which is dragon eggs. Dragon eggs. (laughs) Dragon eggs. Because that's where it all began, if you think about it. So I listened to the first batch of episodes, so I have a lot of egg stuff. So the first, the very first and most important thing we determined, that the size of the egg is the correct size to allow for the size of dragon that eventually came out of it. But <laughs> Because sauropods also had teeny tiny eggs. And sauropods were the really big ones, right? Yeah, they were the long necks. And then like the next big thing we talked about, because Aragon made such a big deal about it, was the material that the egg was made from because it was like hardened silk and like nothing he'd ever seen before. Silk is a natural protein so we thought maybe if it was actually silk it could be just some hardened version of that or alternately maybe it was made of I forgot this part. (laughs) Maybe because if it was like nothing he'd never seen, then maybe it wasn't made out of calcium carbonate like normal eggs. So it could also be made of chitin, like a nematode egg. Oh my god. Remember?
0: (laughs) Why? You have to bring nematodes into everything. Every time.
1: Every episode. Sophie always has nematodes. (laughs) I
0: mean, probably.
1: (laughs) At least once. And then the third option is that maybe it is actually made out of calcium carbonate, but... Perhaps because it was also described as very marble like in smoothness and hardness, that it was formed of something like marble, which is a calcium carbonate, which is the same stuff that coral or pearls or things like that are made of. But it was made through a process, it went through a process of like heating and pressurizing that turned it into something like marble. So yeah. I feel like that one is probably the one we're going to go with, right? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's marble. that one. Hannah just likes the marble idea because it was hers. Listen. But yeah, we'll get into why the heating and pressurizing probably makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think we're going to go with that one. And then also one last thing is we thought that maybe the marble was also mixed with like a metal that maybe the dragon eats or get takes in, in its food because the egg rings when you bang on it
0: yeah, so, Honestly, what the
1: hell yeah so like a crystal wine glass or something which have like lead added to it to make that ringing sound maybe that's what's in it or it's magic it's magic
0: likely magic it's probably magic
2: it's probably christopher paulini didn't think
1: that this hard about <laughs>
0: his egg but we did but we did it, was, it just had to be cool and ringing come on
2: no rule of cool allowed in this
0: podcast <laughs> this is why someone needs to send our podcast to paulini and then no. he needs to realize how no. great we are no. and then bring us on as science consultants <laughs> oh yeah yes on your movie actually <laughs>
2: let us help don't listen to this podcast because i feel like it's kind of mean sometimes but we do want to be in your tv show I'm mostly the mean
1: one. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Listen, if you bring us book. on as consultants for your cool book movie, we'll delete every episode we made about <laughs> Aragon.
2: We'll, yeah. You receive no episodes of Aragon. We receive
1: a job. TV
2: episodes a of Aragon. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. deal. Balanced. All right, we we got to reiterate, we are going to watch the TV show. And by that, I mean, two of us are. Yeah, and then to go closer to the end part of the egg's existence, (laughs) that's a really normal way to phrase that. (laughs) Normal way to phrase it. (laughs) Well, because we see this thing about how the egg has this like delayed hatching, right? Mm, mm -hmm. And so, because the mother dragon like lays this egg, and the egg is ready to hatch the minute she lays it, it delays until the rider appears or. Some like external signifier, I don't know, trigger, I guess, causes the egg to hatch. And we weren't 100% sure about what that might be. But some of the things we suggested were that the it's like mind magic in that the baby seems to be able to mentally connect with the rider from the egg. From Before it even hatches. Before it even hatches. And so perhaps that connection with the rider or the mother dragon signals to the baby that it's time to hatch. We also had talked about maybe some like, oh, there's an increase in food in the mother's body or something that tells the baby when to hatch. Maybe like some sort of behavioral change in the group of dragons around it that cause it to hatch. But what do you guys think?
2: I feel like... In the wild-type dragon, the non-rider dragon, the environmental cue makes the most sense.
0: But I feel like there has to be something with the rider as well. Maybe the rider option is, like, the dominant trait, and if that doesn't happen, then environmental kicks in. Oh. Or something.
2: I was thinking almost the opposite, where some kind of magic would be done to eggs that were going to be given to the riders to make it so that they oh. wouldn't hatch until they met their writer. Oh, interesting. Oh,
0: okay. I mean, I'd buy that too. That's
2: not my original idea. I don't remember what book it's from, though. Like, I don't remember if it's from this series, but in a later book, or if it's just from another series altogether.
1: That's an interesting idea, though. I like that because it seems just kind of wild to have that happen all the time, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that can't yeah. possibly be... Like a wild type thing.
1: Yeah. Which I guess is
2: going to be my overused phrase for this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wild type and energetically (laughs) expensive drink. Um, No, so we had talked about that the egg being ready to hatch the minute it comes out of the mother, like, the egg exists just to protect the mother from this, like, very sharp (laughs) baby dragon. (laughs) Still
2: seems valid to me.
1: Yeah, and so there aren't any, like, animals that have delayed hatching for that long, especially after incubation is done. So... Yeah, it would make sense that the magic holds it in stasis until it finds its rider. I'd buy that. Yeah. I feel like
2: magic is going to end up being a cop-out for a lot of these things. But to me, this is one where it makes sense to say that this is because of magic.
1: Yeah, I feel like as long as we're running through every option yeah, (laughs) until it's like, okay, well, this one part has to be magic. Yeah. That makes sense to me.
2: Yeah. Like you said, there's no way that something can just organically be in this kind of stasis for that long like that doesn't make sense yeah magic cool
1: decided it's It's magic it's magic
2: (laughs) (laughs) took us a long time to get Uh, (laughs) this is gonna be a
0: short episode
1: (laughs) yeah cool and so sam did you have anything about eggs in your episodes
0: no no yeah that's fair (laughs)
1: the dragon did hatch
0: in my episode she had already hatched and i think we had talked a little bit more about the like the mind talk stuff but it wasn't really in relation to the egg so i have nothing to add great perfect
1: what about you hannah
2: yeah, no, I uh, had the last several chapters of the book and Sephira was definitely not an egg at that point.
1: That no, <laughs> Very
0: much not, not an
2: egg.
1: Nor did she have any eggs. She has not laid an egg. <laughs> Let's move on to, like, basic dragon anatomy. Okay. <laughs> yes. Once she's out of the egg, what's up with her whole situation? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Let's just start at the top and work our way down. <laughs> Head down. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, so I guess... Anybody got some eyes,
0: eyeball, dragon eyes? I have dragon eyes. sam has dragon eyes. In one of the chapters, we established that uh, Sephiro has a blue tint to her vision. Oh yeah. Which we had several running hypotheses about why this was. One related was it because she's blue, she sees blue. Is it to attract a mate? Is it camouflage? Uh, there was lots and lots of different theories we had, but basically the reason why she has the blue tint, we concluded being down to there's three types of cones within the eye that correspond to red, blue, and green wavelengths. So Sofia's eyes uh, have more of the blue cones, uh, which means that she can probably likely see into the UV range, which is actually fairly common in reptiles. We didn't really conclude as to like, why the what the advantage was um but we did go into maybe it helps her see different colored dragons and it makes blue dragons more obvious which then could be a mating display so then the blue tint for a blue dragon could have been as a result of sexual selection for different colors of the different dragons but we didn't really have a solid conclusion on this. We just kind of talked about it a lot. Okay. This
1: is gonna be a hypothesis that we haven't talked about yet. Okay. <laughs> but what if what if like each of the colors is a subspecies?
0: Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah. I tried to like condense things down. Sorry, okay, maybe okay, my okay. note taking isn't the greatest, but we did have it down to like the different colors with different subspecies. But then we also concluded that that likely wasn't it because it didn't really make sense, and we were like, "Oh, it's more likely a select a sexual selection thing, and that maybe like uh, that they like the they go for the color that they're they're like, which then I guess goes to creating subspecies." I'm talking myself in a circle, anyway. <laughs> sorry, Sophie. Continue. Yeah.
1: no, I was just thinking that maybe like pre-sentience. Like, what if there was a situation where they were, what's the one where they're separate, allopatric? speciation is that where they're separated by i can never geographic? remember you did bring this up the first time though having the exact same thoughts anyway yes so maybe it's i was right uh <laughs> maybe it's all speciation and then they flew developed flying or whatever and then it's that's just like a weird holdover from it
0: i don't know yeah yeah we kind of concluded that there wasn't enough information to solidly decide but yeah hannah yeah. do you have anything to add
2: I was just going to say, I think my opinion then and my opinion still now is that like the fact that her vision is blue and her color is blue are just a coincidence and that it's just that she's seeing into ultraviolet,
0: which I think is like, I think is the more realistic one. Or honestly, I just don't, I I just don't have faith that Pelini maybe put that much thought into it and that (laughs) all dragons see in blue. There's still a part of me that's like, this might be color specific, but I will never know. We'll never Uh. know. Yeah. (laughs) I know in in later
2: books we meet or there's a red dragon, a green dragon, and a gold dragon, all of which like Aragon interacts with, but I can't yeah. remember if he ever hears what it's like
1: to see through their eyes. <laughs> <Weirdly>. Yeah, <laughs> alas. Alas. Weird that it never gets addressed. Okay, well, you know, we'll just call it requiring UV vision for some reason, whether it's like prey or like mating.
0: I think all of our theories are plausible. Yeah, um, yeah. I just don't think we have enough data to like solidly be like, yeah, it's this. I agree. But I think yeah. we can definitely say she sees into the UV range, which is a common trait in reptiles itself. So it's not super far fetched that she would be able to have this blue tint in her eyes or Chill. in her vision. Sorry. So, cool. All right. right. She probably yeah. also has blue eyes though. She does. <laughs> Okay, yeah, good. I have the book right in front of me. She does. She also
2: does have <laughs> blue eyes. But, like, I have yeah, blue yeah. eyes, and I don't have blue-tinted vision. Are you sure? No.
1: How would you know unless one of us... Ah! Is
0: <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a
0: good point. Jeez oh, Sophie.
1: I also listened to the episode where we had an existential crisis over thinking about what thoughts were, so
2: uh, I'm no. in that kind of mood. No, Sam, uh, please anyway. say there's more eye stuff. Move us along from this.
0: I don't have anything more specific I- on the <laughs> eyes. Let me just do okay. a quick check. That is all I have. Great. Oh. Okay. Nothing from you, Hannah, about
1: eyeballs? Nothing about eyeballs on my end. Okay. Let's move on to those chompers. Oh, man. Anything to do with Safira's mouth. I don't have a lot about the teeth because I think, I think what's going to happen is that a lot of my stuff was like the very first time something got mentioned. And then we extrapolate from there in later episodes. Mm -hmm. But so the only thing about Safira's mouth and teeth that I had was that her teeth were very sharp. (laughs) Yes. I (laughs) had that as well. (laughs) Yeah, and it, she has rows of teeth like a shark. Oh, I'd forgotten about that <laughs> yes. one. Yeah. yeah, so for that, uh, there was one point where Safira yawned and uh, Aragorn mentioned seeing her rows of teeth. And so we hypothesized that unlike most reptiles, maybe she has like continually growing teeth. And so she has like a shark rows of teeth that kind of grow out from inside of her mouth. So as they get lost, new ones replace them, uh, which sort of happens if you evolved to be reckless (laughs) with your teeth Uh you know so it doesn't really matter if you break one because another one's going to come out so i mean it's common in sharks but not common in reptiles (laughs) or mammals (laughs) yeah or anything else really (laughs) but not totally unbelievable you know yeah yeah it does exist yeah (laughs) so i think there's like a moderate amount of (laughs) uh evidence for that to be the case We later see her, like,
2: biting a tree and, like, ripping Cullen in half with her teeth. So to say that she's reckless with her teeth is probably fair. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yep.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so did you guys have maybe more... about her teeth or mouth or anything
2: yeah later on when Safira is about six months old uh we find out that her fangs are the same diameter as aragon's fist so her teeth upscale presumably with the rest of her and that this makes them approximately the same size as the tooth of leviathan which is a sperm whale ancestor uh an extinct one obviously
1: wow who brought that up i wonder uh, yeah who could possibly <laughs> have brought up an extinct
2: vertebrate the point that comes up here, huh, point is that her teeth are as sharp as a rock so we talked a little bit about how she must have some kind of adaptation to keep her from hurting herself with her own teeth so we talked a little bit about how cats have kind of their teeth like offset a little bit and then also have little gum pockets that the teeth fit into i think sophie also mentioned something about like her jaw configuration so that her jaw just can't shut all the way Or in such a way that it would damage her own gums. And then we also talked a little bit about how lizards and therefore Sephira all have undifferentiated teeth. So all of her teeth are probably about the same size and shape, which makes sense. I still am on board with all of this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and the the being super sharp kind of tracks with having like continually replacing teeth, you know, because they're never going to like dull down or wear out because they just keep getting replaced
2: yeah like her teeth never get dull therefore she must always be replacing them
1: god imagine just like losing teeth the size of like your wrist oh my god no Ew. thank like, you every day or is week she just or like whatever?
2: leaving teeth and as we might get to later possibly like scales just all over the continent
0: i think so <laughs>
1: giant it's like a snake skin but a dragon oh Oh my god we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) we'll get to that okay let's move on to like vocalization mouth stuff (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah let's Uh, move on to mouth stuff come on some more mouth stuff oh
0: she has lips excited (laughs) about that (laughs) Uh, go ahead sam (laughs) It's very small things, but uh, we can confirm with her mouth that she can smile wolfishly, oh, God. Um, which is fun. And then we find out with her mouth, she can uh, bugle. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. that was, uh, we never concluded whether that was a bugle like the elk or a bugle like the instrument, <laughs> <laughs> but she bugles. Wow. Wow. And that comes up several times, but it first comes up in one of the episodes I listened to. I was going to save this for later, but actually this
1: part feels better to put it in. All right.
0: Uh, We had talked about the babies peeping from
1: inside the egg Mm -hmm. and like talking to the parent, which implies that there are dragon cuckoos.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Horrifying. So just...
1: Yeah, just that the babies can, like, actually converse from inside the egg. I wonder if they
2: can speak in, like, a language or vocalization that adult dragons can
1: understand, or if they just, like, babble. Well, so we had talked about that it being, like, cats, Mm -hmm. where the dragons make physical noises, even though they can talk mind-to-mind with each other. Right. But they make these, like, vocalizations to interact with humans okay
2: i had that same point uh from our later chapters as well
1: okay yeah because we talked about it here and i assume we talked about it more yeah but yeah like that these bugles or peeping or whatever was just to talk to humans who use like physical language yeah i still which like it seems that fun yeah yeah <laughs> of course you would like it hannah listen <laughs>
2: I am predictable yeah in mine the main vocalization she does or in my set of chapters rather the main vocalization she does uh was humming which we hypothesized was like similar again to cats and that it might be analogous to purring which Mm -hmm. we did not get into because we did not have time to get into all of the wild and wacky stuff about cat purring and we don't really (laughs) have time to get into it now
1: yeah especially because it wasn't called purring you know it was humming it was humming i think she rumbled at one point you know yeah i think i think the conversing with humans is a a good hypothesis for that i agree yeah cool yeah what else that mouth do
0: (laughs) no (laughs) well she has Uh... a very rough tongue in it (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah. Sorry, Sam. Said there was other stuff that she wanted to talk about.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if it falls in behavior or if it falls in mouth stuff. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hate this section somehow.
0: Anyways, <laughs> it's just that in my chapters, she can we can we get confirmation that Safira needs to eat at least once a week. So it's more of like a diet aspect and behavioral aspect but she eats with her mouth so i wasn't sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. you can tell totally we put you a lot hate. of thought into how to organize this episode yeah, i was very confused looking at my notes so i was like i don't know where it goes
1: but here we are <laughs> i think eating is good to put in this part yeah um, okay i didn't have a ton to add to it either but i also have that she eats food whole oh yeah okay, as a yeah baby, at least yeah So So. she has to
0: eat at least
1: once a week and that food is whole. Yeah. Which makes sense if she doesn't have differentiated teeth Yeah, and they're shark-like. She wouldn't really be able to chew. Mm -hmm. No. Like, she could maybe tear chunks off of something big, but she'd just have to swallow it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Okay. Next section, which is her neck, I guess? Her neck.
2: (laughs) I guess, should we talk about her jaw? We didn't get into like a huge amount of detail because it doesn't come up a lot, but it's mentioned like offhand a few times that Safira has like powerful jaws. And if you look at like the drawing of Safira that they chose to put on the cover of the book, she also has what I believe Sophie referred to as like a strong reptilian jaw. Sounds like something I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in addition to somehow being built in a way that keeps her from like shredding herself with her own teeth, she has like powerful jaw muscles. So she must need yeah. to bite through things. That was basically yeah. the only conclusion yes. we came
1: to about her jaw. I think we're going to talk about ecology a bit later, so I think we'll talk about that there. Yeah, yeah but yeah. she has a That's a, a big good jaw. thing to remember. Mm-hmm.
2: She has a big yeah. jaw, she has a rough tongue, she didn't also yeah. didn't come to many conclusions
1: about. She doesn't have, like, horns or anything on her head, which, now that I think about it, is weird it for just, a yeah. dragon. <laughs> yeah it is people like to put all kinds of stuff on dragon heads <laughs> Uh huh. she has spikes which go down her neck the next part of her body yeah i think that might be the only thing we have to say about the neck area yeah it's
0: long and snaky i can confirm that Brom can wrap his arms around it at one point <laughs> <laughs> well, okay we'll get into that yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> that's it That's all I have on the neck. Yeah,
1: all I have about the neck is that there are spines down it, but there is a spot for the saddle to wrap around her neck. Oh, yes. Which would be a wild thing to just occur naturally. Our theory on that was that there was like co-evolution with the riders Mm Yes, for that,
2: Mm -hmm. but maybe we can talk about that. (laughs) We will get to that. We still haven't gotten into how the dragons uh, artificially engineered themselves, but I'm sure that's coming.
1: <laughs> I think that might be next because oh, I think we're going to do, yeah, limbs next. Ooh. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the big section. Uh-huh. So let right off the bat, let's just talk about the theory that started in my chapters and then I think we talked about it in a million chapters, <laughs> which was that the dragons were originally four limbed in that they had two wings and two back legs. Yes. And then they magicked the four legs onto them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that was like really, despite how wild it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think that was the most likely thing we came up with. Yeah. I, I agree. agree. Yeah. We'll get into the wings in a minute, but four limbs at least. Right. They they're kind of wild to exist. Yeah. Mainly because of the serrated claws. <laughs> <laughs> Sephira has serrated claws, which just don't exist anywhere in nature elsewhere, except in birds for, like, preening. But Sephira doesn't have feathers, so it doesn't really make any sense. So for this, the theory was that the serrated claws, this entire limb, was added with magic for fighting.
2: And we also speculated that the thick bones that come up later are part of, like, the magic addition for fighting. And maybe the jaw was related to the magic forefighting. We have support for this theory, okay? (laughs) We have
1: a lot of support for this theory. Yeah, and so one of the things we had talked about with the four limbs in the stuff I listened to was we weren't sure if Sephira was digitigrade, which means, like, is she flat-footed like a human or is she kind of up on her front, like, the ball of her foot, essentially, the way, like, a dog would be or, like, T-Rex would be, which I don't think we got confirmation for that anywhere no so i don't think we can say although i'm guessing she would be digitigrade because most well i guess like komodo dragons aren't anyway uh and then we also didn't really know if she had backwards toe claws like to grip like Mm -hmm. a hand Mm -hmm. right because there was the scene where instead of like picking up the litter with garo on it Aragon just ties it around her wrists so we weren't sure if she could grip things and we weren't sure if she could rotate the wrist inward the way humans can to sort of like face the palm up or face the palm down because that also impedes how well you can grip things. That's what I had for the forelegs. Anyone else got forelimb (laughs) stuff? I don't necessarily have forelimb stuff
2: except that at one point, kind of as a joke, but also kind of not as a joke, we speculated that Saphira is bipedal because no. as she's walking, <laughs> Did we? yeah, her tail drags oh, on the yeah. ground behind her, quote like a thick blue snake. Oh, that's funny. I don't remember that. <laughs> I didn't either until I listened to it. It was a joke, uh, but <laughs> okay. like there is some merit to it, which would explain like why she has a difficult time walking on the ground and why she has a difficult time like picking things up. Uh, at one point, she when they're or when Safira is carrying Arya like strapped to her belly in an absolutely ridiculous configuration one of the reasonings for that was that it would be too dangerous for Safira to like carry her in her claws in case she had Cerated to land claws. yeah 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 i don't think safira is bipedal but we did talk about it
1: no no i think Yeah, man, you know what? It's one thing to be a human with our bodies super messed up by being bipedal. Yeah. But it's another to be like, imagine you magicked yourself to be quadrupedal. (laughs) And just how your body has to deal with that.
2: (laughs) I mean, it would be pretty messed up, I bet. There'd be a lot of repercussions. Because
1: not good at walking.
2: No, that comes up a couple times.
0: But wait, if she magicked those front legs on, all other dragons are still... Quadrupeds, right? Like, they still walk on all fours. They just walk on their wings. Right? So wouldn't her body design still be designed for that? If they, like, what? tuck in their wings to their body. Because Oh, I see what you yeah. mean. Sorry. Okay, yes. To, yeah, like a bird does, you know? Mm. But anytime I've seen them walk in media, I feel like they always use, like, the spikes on their wings. Like, I feel like they're always walking on all fours. But maybe I'm wrong.
2: I think I've seen bird-like dragons in media before but it's certainly not as common
0: the okay. how to
1: train your dragon
0: yeah i haven't watched that in a while mm. oh okay God. there's okay.
1: one that walks like that
0: yeah okay okay fair oh is too does toothless walk like that no toothless no it's
2: is the is a it's astrid's one yeah, i think the, that walks like uh, that. St- stormfly no
1: her its yeah. name is
2: stormfly what's it called yeah
1: <laughs> okay yeah i was just thinking that that sort of Thing where they were already tucking them into their body and just walking on two legs,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, makes like
1: a bit more sense to then magic a second set of legs on.
0: Whereas, right, yes, I mean, honestly,
1: they're already using magic, but yeah, yeah, it can be true.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking of like the Game of Thrones dragons because that's the most recent reference in my head, and they like full on walk with their wings. Yeah, so that's they why the bat model yes yeah so that's what i, I, I was thinking
1: yeah like Safira, like at some point in this book has been described as having her wings tucked in yeah i think you're right so i'm just thinking that now regardless of what it was before
2: mm-hmm.
1: i think now they sort of exist with their wings like the classic four-legged dragon with two yeah. wings where they're yeah. they're up against yeah, yeah, their yeah. back yeah yeah, yeah.
2: So I do agree that our, as, like, ridiculous as it is, our, like, magically enhanced quadrupeds version of dragons makes the most sense. But we did very briefly talk about a way in which they could have evolved as hexapods with those Uh three pairs of legs. And that was in reference to a couple of kinds of fish. Uh, Sophie mentioned mesocanthus, which I believe is
1: is extinct, Sophie? Yeah, an extinct acanthodian. Uh, Sure. (laughs)
2: And then also <laughs> sharks, which have pectoral fins, pelvic fins, and claspers, which are all technically Ooh, a set of limbs.
1: Oh god, I forgot about this. And this
2: is the part of the podcast where we talked about Sephira's dick <laughs> legs.
0: <laughs> oh, I also <laughs> forgot we went there. I forgot about this. It was an extremely
1: yeah. funny episode. Yes, uh, because this this was because I found an article that, yeah, stuff like Dunkleosteus, yeah because the group that dunkleosteus is in there was an article that was like actually their claspers evolved from another set of fins and so i was like uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> they have six sets they have six fins <laughs> <laughs> three sets of three set, sets of fins which means that they could evolve into three sets of limbs they could have evolved into a dragon
2: and therefore dragons could that. have evolved from fish just like the rest of us
1: wow yep. amazing wow even though that theory made me laugh a lot <laughs> I still think the magic one makes more sense. Yeah. Yes. And like, why is because there's no other six limbed. Yep. Or no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that later, but we could also talk about it now, <laughs> which is just that. Yeah. Uh,
2: there's not much else to say about it, really. It's just there's no other evidence in this book that any other being with six limbs exists. Therefore, it would be extremely implausible for dragons to be the only ones.
1: Yeah. And be so similar to like other extant animals like lizards or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That was all I had about the legs of both types. Do we want to talk about the wings? Oh my gosh. Let's talk about the wings. Let's talk about the wings. (laughs) I have things on the wings. Heck yeah. I think we all have Um, things on the wings. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have a much, but uh, I think maybe we talked about them more. With you guys, because really the only thing we had determined was that her wings are bat-like because they do have the finger bones coming through them. Yeah, uh, but she is not, in fact, a bat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're so smart. No bat. We're so we're smart. So smart. We come up with such good ideas and articulate <laughs> them so, smart. so well.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we figured that out because bats don't have claws on the ends of their finger bones. In their wings, unless it's an extinct bat. So Sephira could be an extinct bat. Uh-huh.
2: Maybe in this world, the one that went extinct in our world survived. We don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And became a reptile. <laughs> exactly. And then the only other thing we talked about was Sephira's wing bones being pretty robust. Yeah. Because Aragon jumps on them and they don't break.
2: Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about her thick bones at some point, but I think that's a little bit later in the episode.
1: Yeah, so that's all I really had for her wings, which I don't think requires us to decide anything. No. <laughs> no. What about you guys?
0: <laughs> I don't have any deciding thing either, just that in one of the chapters it's noted that the sun can shine through her wings, which made us go to the conclusion again about membranes and being more like bat wings. But we also made the conclusion that her wings are likely are more likely like uh, Yuchi, mm-hmm. the dinosaur. Is that a dinosaur? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we, ba- we basically made that conclusion off of the sun was shining through her membranes and kind of everything else about her that her wings are most likely like Ichi. And what That's is the structure of Ichi's wings? For those of oh, us who Sophie.
1: don't remember. yeah,
0: <laughs> I was like, Hannah, how dare you put me on the spot like that? You know I don't know that. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I'm naming a specific species, but I think there are a couple. Scansoriopterid... Oh my god. Scansoriopterid... Dinosaurs. That have similar-ish wings, but Ichi basically has, like, three fingers that are closely grouped that have a little bit of membrane between them. And then there's, like, a bigger, there's, like, a huge flap that goes from the third finger, or I guess the last finger, all the way back to the body. But there is an extra piece of bone, like a bone spur that grows out from the wrist yeah. that goes through the wing. it's not, like, middle.
2: A stabilizer, or do we, do they not know what that's for?
1: It's, yeah, it's probably a stabilizer to keep the membrane, like, extended. Right. But also, also, it's not, like, for sure known. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. makes sense. as well. Yeah, and the other thing to know about Ichi is that it was a glider. It wasn't mm-hmm. a powered flight, so. Yes. Similar to Ichi, but probably something. Yeah. Dragons are, I mean.
2: <laughs> yeah, because gliders tend to have bigger wings, Then creatures with powered flight, which we'll get into a little bit later. (laughs) The main thing that came up about Saphira's wings in some of the episodes I listened to were that they are specifically referred to as an arm, which we perhaps gratuitously took as confirmation that the wing is the ancestral limb and the forelimbs are the magical limbs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still seems fine to
1: me. Still seems fine to me.
2: <laughs> yep. And then she also flaps very hard when she flies and can fly almost silently. And there was a little bit of talking about whether she has some like physiological adaptations like pycnofibers to break up turbulence around her wings, which would help her to fly more quietly. But we didn't come to any real conclusions about that. I think we, we posited cilia before we got to pycnofibers. fibers. <laughs> yeah exactly (laughs) and that's gross
1: (laughs) yeah i think it makes sense that she has like some super fine hair-like structures on the ends of the edges of the membrane Mm -hmm. you know like they're probably not anywhere else on her body and it probably evolved specifically for hunting and being quiet while flying right like that makes sense to me
2: yeah we'll we'll get into the behavior later but there are some parts of like the way she hunts that also support the idea that she has some way to be quiet while she flies
1: chill I agree with that all right yes I did forget one super brief thing that almost doesn't really count <laughs> <as> biology <laughs> but like Safira gets caught in a the lightning storm at one point and oh, gets yeah. like flipped and the only thing about that is that we talked about it was weird that she didn't have any way to like dump air from mm-hmm. her wings Because, Mm -hmm. like, birds have a way to, like, just drop, you know, like, a lot of animals have a way to just, like, well, flying animals, they can (laughs) control how much air, you know, they're keeping, how much lift they're keeping in their wing. Mm -hmm. And, but what we actually concluded from that is that dragons do probably have that. And Sephira was just too young, because this is quite early on. She hasn't been flying for a super long time. Right. And so she'd never experienced this kind of thing before and didn't know what to do.
2: Yeah, I still like that idea. There's a lot of stuff about like how Sephira knows a lot of things that she probably shouldn't, which again, we'll probably get into some of those a little bit later. But I still like these moments where it seems like she is a young sentient being being that has to learn how to be a dragon and doesn't just like isn't just born with all of her instincts.
1: Or like she has the manual in her head, but doesn't has to practice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that, maybe. <laughs>
2: yeah, like a human... Like, the first time you try to, I don't know, run downhill or whatever, you probably will yeah. fall because you're like, oh god, I've never done this before, what's happening?
1: <laughs> so maybe it's like that. Yeah, so, okay, I think that's the wings. I think uh-huh. we're good there. It's the wings. Shall yeah. we talk about her, like, body? <laughs> like, the, the yoddy, actual yoddy, torso. <laughs> Body-yaddy. Yes. Yoddy, yoddy. Well, the only thing I think... I have to add here is that we're pretty sure Safira's warm blooded. Mm-hmm. I have notes about that as well. That's really the only like body physiology thing we talked about in my stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't have anything. The only maybe like we're gonna
1: probably talk about this a little bit more when we talk about mating. Hey. <laughs> but <laughs> but it is sort of weird that like we get confirmation that they don't need to eat that often but then during mating they do need to eat more but then the amount of eating that they do seems to not track with a warm-blooded creature so they could be just like they could be not fully warm-blooded the way we think about it like maybe they do have lower metabolic requirements somehow but
2: yeah we hadn't really (laughs)
1: gone into that yeah
2: (laughs) that's a little bit too far beyond my knowledge base to be completely honest yeah
1: i and i think we don't have enough information yeah actually about it yeah but we know that she is physically warm
0: (laughs) yes so yeah i don't have anything really on the body i have just notes on how she uses it in different things but i think we'll go into that later yeah
1: yeah
2: well I got the episodes where we concluded that Zephir's bones are made of carbon fiber and filled with helium <laughs> and that her lungs are a nuclear reactor that
1: split atoms to make the helium. This was the moment I was waiting for. This is it. <laughs> Literally wild that magic was more believable than this part.
2: <laughs> oh, my honest, This episode was great, but probably my favorite part about it was Sam and I, like, getting really into it, trading theories back and forth, and Sophie just coming in and being so annoyed that we were not considering parsimony.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Guys!
2: <laughs> Guys! But that like, that whole conversation stemmed out of a description of Sephira as having thick, strong bones and tons of muscle, which would make her heavy and therefore would make it difficult for her to fly. So we were trying to figure out ways that she could be positively buoyant within the fluid that is air as opposed to the fluid of water a totally normal way of phrasing that the thick bones we posited like that would sort of imply that they were ancestrally terrestrial which we don't really like because it doesn't line up with the fact that like they originally had wings so then we considered that the thick bones were also a magical modification to make them a better fighter like the serrated claws and possibly the jaw I don't don't even know where to start with this.
1: (laughs) Can we talk about the bones just, like, a little bit? Because I I think... I don't think it's fully unbelievable that it's made of something tougher than... Than bone. Normal bone. Like, maybe there's more additives. Mm -hmm. Or it is just magic. But I feel like we had dismissed the idea that they could still be hollow and thick. Yeah. But, like, sauropods had... Much like birds, they had air sacs inside their their bones right and they have giant bones (laughs) okay so like I don't think necessarily Saphir's like giant bones (laughs) (laughs) means that they're super heavy okay you sure because yeah I I talked about (laughs) this in the episodes I listened to but like birds their bones aren't just like an empty space with a shell of a bone around it like it's all crisscrossed with like struts essentially and then their lungs part of their lung system like expands into the bones as Mm -hmm. air sacs to lighten them so they are actually full of air and i feel like in a dragon that would like they don't need to be positively buoyant right yeah they just need to be able to take off yeah feel good about just saying that they have bird-like hollow bones that are reinforced in some way
2: i think reinforced hollow bones is perhaps the most parsimonious
1: uh adaptation we're going to get out of this (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think I don't remember how we got to the nuclear reactor, but should we <sighs> it was a lot. talk about should we talk about fire breathing in this part? Cuz what I was thinking is that maybe here we can tie in like maybe it's a nuclear reactor, maybe it's not. <laughs> but <laughs> we could tie in like there's something internal that she produces fire with mm-hmm. that the females use to perhaps like pressurize or heat whatever makes their eggshells to make them extra hard right because they're way harder than any other egg yeah and then it could also explain some of the heat that just physically heat that they produce and we're just going to leave it at that
2: <laughs> yeah there like there was a lot of this was in episode 47 where a lot of this like radioactive nonsense happened and it was extremely funny and i highly recommend you <laughs> listening to it yeah. um but there were like a surprising a number of reasons why it like almost made sense that dragons have some kind of like internal nuclear, nuclear. component <laughs> yeah like in addition to the fact that they do need to produce like heat and eventually safira breathes fire so they need like some way to do that they the dragons sparkle even though they have rough scales which as sophie yeah. pointed out is not really a compatible set of yeah. uh traits and then my favorite one is that uh <laughs> The Reason that Ericone's body is changing so fast and the reason he heals so fast <laughs> yes. is that oh. he's actually just being exposed to a ton of radionucleotides and all of his DNA is mutating. <laughs> Which, like, I mean, it makes sense, yeah, kind of.
1: Like, we can probably just say that whatever makes magic, like the pool of magic that exists in a magic user, mm-hmm. is something similar to nuclear, you know?
2: Yeah, something exothermic at the very least. Yeah. And that, like, it's a reaction that produces heat, which is why Saphira is warm, why she can breathe fire, why she can produce helium to fill her hollow bones and therefore fly. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And maybe it's just, like, a super, what's the word, like, efficient process, which is why they don't have to eat as much. Yeah. Or as often as you would expect. Like, I don't know.
2: If you're here to listen to us talk about actually realistic dragon biology, (laughs) like, I don't know what you wanted. (laughs) You are never going to get that.
1: Yeah, we'll get you 50% of the way there, and then (laughs) it's nuclear fission inside of the carbon fiber bones. Yeah,
2: go read some Mercedes Lackey or something.
0: (laughs) Wow.
1: Well, anyway, I think that might be the
2: body. (laughs) I did have one thing that I really liked that I don't think we need to talk about because it's ridiculous. But it was just that, sure. like, if we're thinking about aerodynamics and, like, what Safira's body should be shaped like in order to be the most efficient to, like, move through the sky, even with her big size, Sophie said oh. that she should look like a tuna with wings.
1: Yeah. So. She's got little slots that she can tuck her legs into. <laughs> like oh, a like... tuna does with its dorsal fin. Or like a
2: sperm whale. They can, they have little pockets that they tuck their pectoral fins into when they're diving. Yeah. See? Yeah. Safira and her. Her dick legs in their leg pockets.
0: Oh they're my legs. god. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. It's <laughs> fine. I just had forgotten like, about the legs again.
2: <laughs> How could you possibly forget about the dick legs? Should we also talk about her scales? There's not a ton to say about them. They're rough, they're sure. sparkly. They like rub the shit out of Aragon's legs and he does not get oh, an yeah. infection from it. But then they're yep. also like concerned about them rubbing through the ropes when they do their ridiculous contraption with Arya on Safira's belly sophie you posited that she actually had like osteoderms rather than specifically scales on some parts of oh, her body yeah. and then we joked that she was a flying ankylosaur which is very yeah. funny
1: <laughs> but she can't be because she needs armor
2: <laughs> that's true she does get dragon armor and can carry it somehow which again we'll get into at some point yeah but the other thing with her scales is that she we haven't seen her shed her skin At any point during this book. She grew a lot. She grew an awful lot. Like, so big.
1: Maybe she eats her own shed skin like a lobster.
2: Maybe. I did, like, I looked into it because I'm like, you know, maybe there are reptiles that, like, don't shed their skins and it's just a myth that, like, all reptiles shed their skin. Um, But it's not. All reptiles shed their skin. Some of them don't do it in, like, big sheets like snakes or, like, a lot of geckos do. Like, crocodilians or, like, turtles will lose like an individual scale or an individual scoot at a time so mm-hmm. it's probably that but that just means sephira leaving dead scales like all like a candy place. maybe that's how the urgles were always finding them
0: <laughs> this makes sense that makes sense now that it i'm was a scale trail. It, <laughs> now that i think about it now that i
2: think about it sephira <laughs> was just leaving scales and teeth all over the place and the urgles yeah. were like let's just follow the trail of scales and teeth <laughs> 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 wow if we solved it here in the 11th hour. Cracked the code.
1: <laughs> I don't actually know if dinosaurs shed the way reptiles do. Because uh, they have to grow a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, and like they probably peel like how crocodilians do.
1: Yeah. Rather than like yeah, that the full sense. body shed.
2: But they still gotta do something.
1: Well, Sephira probably does that. Yeah. Because it's not mentioned. So we have to assume that because it's not mentioned, it means she doesn't shed in giant sheets. Uh, yeah,
2: she has <laughs> to do it in the least interesting way, which is certainly not gigantic sheets of dragon skin just flying off into yeah, the wind. Flying all over the place.
1: That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, that really wild. Okay. I think that's Safira's body done. Yep. Right? Does anybody have anything about her tail? It's a thick blue snake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a point about her swimming with it. Okay. It's just that she uses it. Yeah.
1: So suffice to say her tail acts like a rudder. Yes. Yeah. In the air or in the water. Yes.
0: Yes. Okay. Uh-huh.
2: I do have a quote that says we don't know where Dragon's cloaca is, so that's good to know. That's great. We went there? <laughs> Listen, it was an in inexplicable sure conversation. Did.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that I was sense. just that's where my brain was like it must have been with it legs anyways. With must... been. Oh it, my this god. This book wasn't
2: as horny as Twilight, but we still managed to get some dicks in there.
0: We still I would argue it. that some parts were written as if they should be just as horny, but Yeah. Yeah, honestly, we should do novel, like a romantic but... debrief as well as a biological
1: yes. one. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just that everyone was the romantic interest. That's exactly. it's not going to take us a whole That's episode. True.
2: Our treatise <laughs> on why Aragon and Murtag are actually secret lovers and not related at all.
1: Anyway, let's move on to the <laughs> next subject, which is actually the behavior. Ah. So, Safira obviously had many behaviors. I... <laughs> Safira does some behaviors in this book. Safira does some behaviors. Maybe let's just start off with swimming? What do you think? We were just talking about it. Yeah, let's talk about the swimming. Sure. Okay. So, I don't have anything about swimming because she didn't swim in my episodes, so let's go right into
0: Sam. (laughs) She swam in mine! Wow. Wow. That episode, basically, her and Aragon just go for a swimmy swim, and we conclude, or we find out that she uses her feet and tail to steer, which is different than other, any extant reptiles uh, you guys can confirm because i don't know these things but they only use their tails to swim this is what we said in the episode yeah. so that is what i'm going with then we also had like a lot of talks on aragon blowing his eardrums and stuff and i just want to <laughs> say i was not in like the best mindset at that recording and and uh i didn't say the smartest things for somebody who should know a lot about that kind of stuff um that, that's Listen, all have that's my now. disclaimer <laughs> yeah But yeah, that's really all. It's just she uses her feet and tail uh, in combination, which is fun. Yeah, she swam a little bit. Oh, and she enjoys it. That was the other thing. Sorry. She does actually enjoy it. That was the big thing.
2: Yeah, she does swim a little bit in one of my chapters as well, but not for fun because they're fighting Urgles under a waterfall. And the main thing that came out of that is that she starts or she like becomes an ambush predator um so she like will swim very quickly and very quietly under the water then like pop up and grab an Urgle and like disappear down into the murky depths again and just that she swims very well which is not really yes. an actionable item but good to know
1: yeah i think maybe we can talk about it how it relates to hunting maybe let's talk about safira's hunting behavior because swimming might be one of them who knows who, on who yeah what the hell <laughs> Again, I didn't have much discussion about behaviors in my episodes. (laughs) So not about hunting, at least. The only thing we talked about, really, is that the fire breathing is not for hunting. No. Right. So (laughs) that, we'll talk about that
0: later. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, what the hell?
1: Yeah. But yeah, what about uh, hunting... For you guys,
0: I also didn't have a lot. Mostly just that we know that she had to eat once a week, which we already talked about, and that she's not very good at camouflaging. Because in case you were wondering, dirt does not, in fact, hide a dragon. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think uh, she's a very stealth hunter from that conclusion. But that's <laughs> all I visual. have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, she might be a stealth
2: hunter from above, based on the fact that she can Maybe. fly nearly silently, and she might. And the swimming behavior is uh, also all about ambush when she's fighting. So she might be an ambush predator, but not from like the eye line of whatever she's hunting. She has to be like right actively hidden or just out of eyesight.
0: On that point too, we also just find out that she is in fact slower than a horse on land. Yes, <laughs> an average horse trot is eight miles per hour. So <laughs> not an effective hunter on land either. <laughs> not a walking type hunter no no
2: (laughs) no so she attacks from above or below yes yes (laughs) one thing that came up a couple times in my chapters was that she grabs things when she's flying it's not really a hunting thing but like when she's fighting the urgels or when she's like trying to carry the horses over the river she grabs them with her feet not with her mouth which sophie i believe you mentioned is similar to how a lot of birds of prey hunt as they hit feet first And then they carry things off with their feet. So that's just, again, more evidence that she probably evolved from a flying ancestor and not a terrestrial one.
1: I feel like it could imply that for these behaviors that they originally lived somewhere like near the water and also like they would hunt both in the water and in the air, you know?
2: Yeah, that's interesting because one of the first things that happens when they arrive uh, at the Hadrach Desert is Sephira loves it like she is all about this desert she feels like it's the place that she was made for there's like wide open space mountains for her to roost in like camouflage prey that she can spend days hunting she loves that it's warm she's probably from the desert or ancestrally yeah. dragons are probably from the desert but there wouldn't be a lot of water in the desert
1: so the swimming thing is a little interesting and in that light it could be that like just with sentience and like intelligence right like humans have figured out how to hunt in a lot of different places yeah. where we did not evolve to hunt yeah you know very opportunistically so it could just be that dragons have like learned how to hunt in the water you know yeah
2: that was similar to the the point that i was going to make which is just that like humans are obviously not evolved to be in the water but generally as a species we love the water yeah so it could just be similar for dragons (laughs) yeah i mean i might i'm a fish girl that generalization might be a little bit off because this is a podcast full of three people who specifically (laughs) go to where the ocean is all the time (laughs) yeah (laughs) but like humans love being near water and therefore it's not as much of a stretch to me to say that like dragons as a sentient species might not have evolved living in the water but maybe they just really like it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Although that's kind of interesting because part of the reason, like, the reason humans like shiny things is because our brains are like, ooh, water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we're always thirsty.
2: <laughs> oh my God, tell me about it. I'm suffering so much over here.
0: Saphira <laughs> is not always thirsty. No, true. Desert adaptation. When
2: they're crossing the desert and Aragon has to, like, pull water up from underground. Sephira only takes, like, a couple of sips compared to the horses, which drink so much water.
1: Yeah. So, again, it does sort of imply that she's meant to live in the desert, Mm -hmm. sort of physiologically. Mm -hmm.
2: Maybe that's why uh, dragons like treasure, because they're also thirsty.
1: Uh, yeah that's a great point <laughs> shiny shiny anyway. yeah I guess since we've pivoted into like ecology yeah <laughs> and, like evolution here one thing about this is that what we talked about a bunch in our episodes is like where are the prey yeah that Sephira is eating you know like If dragons, if we assume that dragons are like megafauna, you know, like this extremely large apex predator. You cannot be more megafauna than a dragon. Yeah, (laughs) truly. Then like there has to be prey for them. And so we're sort of assuming that we assumed that there were prey items that we just like hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. We weren't really sure where to go with that. The only thing I could think is that they did mention that there were giant sea serpents in the water so maybe the dragons are eating those (laughs) or
2: maybe those are eating the dragons lots of goats the dragons do canonically steal food from dwarves or steal animals that's true
1: yeah yeah i mean maybe they just eat gazelles yes there are also gazelles that checks
2: yeah it's like i don't that's such a weird one because it's like there aren't dragons now which means that whatever the dragons were eating should probably be proliferating to like an unhealthy degree almost, right?
0: Unless yeah. the ecosystem was a top-down control and the loss of dragons ultimately led to the whole collapse Whoa. of the system Whoa. because it was being controlled by that predator interaction.
2: Yeah. Can you explain a top-down ecosystem a little bit?
0: Yeah. So a top-down <laughs> ecosystem is one in which the ecosystem itself is controlled by the predators. So basically, if something happens to your predator, then you'll feel the, the changes throughout the ecosystem, the waterfall down from the predator down to the bottom of your food web slash chain. And if you have a bottom-up control ecosystem, it's the opposite. So it's like uh, the plants or your phytoplankton in an aquatic system, for example, are what's kind of the basis of what controls it. So if something happens at the bottom, you're going to feel those effects throughout the chain because of that. So if the ecosystem is top down controlled by dragons, then the loss of the dragon could actually have catacly- cataclysmic effects downward through the food web yeah because if you think about it like say the dragons are eating the gazelles and the gazelles yeah. eat the grass right
1: right yes if the dragons disappear then the gazelles suddenly go up there's tons and tons of gazelles but there's way too many for the grass to support so they eat all the grass the grass disappears and then the yeah. gazelles all die <laughs> right exactly so yeah so that's interesting because then maybe like maybe the dragons overpopulated yeah, And then there wasn't enough prey for them, so they started stealing from the dwarves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then the elves showed up, and war. And war know. happened. And then they started eating the elves.
2: <laughs> well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Impossible to say, really.
2: <laughs> no, but that is a really good theory, I would say, as to like why we haven't seen any of the prey species. If it's yeah. a top-down... What did you call it? Top top down control the Top down
0: control. Yeah. yeah you have top down control and bottom up control yeah so if it's ah, top down control then it would make sense cascade a trophic cascade
1: while we're talking a little bit about i think this is where it should go okay <laughs> just because we talked about dragon mating for so long in like three of my episodes i don't remember this <laughs> so i really just need to broach it okay. because we talked we were talking about eggs and so we talked about mating Mm. and eggs and that kind of thing. So the important information is, like Sam said, dragons only need to eat like once a week, but it is stated in the text (laughs) (laughs) that they need to eat more often while in the mating season. Mm -hmm. So we were hypothesizing that this means that either the egg is very energetically expensive to make. Yeah! Or... (laughs) (laughs) or there's like a very elaborate mate choice display situation that's also that goes on during this and we had figured out that the implication that they don't need to eat that often but then need to eat once a week during mating that maybe there's like a sedentary period of time that dragons go through so like maybe as they get older there's like like, the culture allows for them to, you know, not be as active, or Alagasia might have, like, a hibernation period in the area where dragons are originally from, so they would hibernate for a period of time and then eat a lot before and after that, you know? So, I don't know that now that we've read the whole book that it's taken (laughs) some time i don't think there's like a winter hibernation period no no
2: no no Saphira's behavior like doesn't change as the seasons do
1: yeah and so i think for this the i think the idea is that there's just a very expensive mating process hell yeah (laughs) yeah so we had talked about how the interesting thing is that dragons reach reproductive maturity and develop the ability to breathe fire at the same time
2: was that canonical or did we just yeah oh canonical
1: yeah brahm says they uh reach their maximum or their Reproductive maturity and are able to breathe fire at five to six months.
2: Oh, my God. Zephira is only six months at the end of this book. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So uh, we were like, if they don't have fire breathing before that, clearly it doesn't mean they need fire breathing for hunting. Yeah. It's probably for a mate display. (laughs) Yeah. Or something.
2: Why else would they happen at the same time?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like so weird because fire breathing is so much to have. Yeah. But if we think about it in terms of like this, whatever this reaction is going on also is helpful in creating the eggs,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Then maybe it makes sense that at reproductive maturity, that's what's happening to help make the eggs. And one of the side effects is that it means they can also breathe fire. (laughs) And so they use it as a mate display. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know? I feel like
2: that's such a reasonable explanation for an absolutely bonkers set of (laughs) traits.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like the whatever creates magic in their bodies makes this nuclear reaction go off, (laughs) which helps them make eggs, and because of it, they have to breathe fire sometimes, which they use as a mate display. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yep yeah. yep. <laughs> yep yep we'll, we'll go with yeah. that no no notes <laughs> no no yeah. <laughs> oh my
2: god what the hell i had totally forgotten the fact that like we had a canonical age for both yeah. of those things yep <laughs> so this is a point where it would have been useful if one of us had like continued to read the rest of the series before recording this sure. episode because I do remember that, I, I think in the fourth book, Sephira does mate with one of the other dragons. I don't remember what it entails, though. Mm. Do, th- do they do it in front of everybody? I don't know. Look, hold on. Okay. I'm going to Google this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the on s- s- the Green Dragon's inheritance.fandom.com wiki page, it just says Sephira sure. was his mate for a short time. It is unknown if Sephira will return to him or if she will lay eggs.
0: Mm. Cool. Uh,
1: I don't think we need to read it then. I think nope. our solution is right. <laughs> yeah. I I really want to know now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm. I
1: mean, you can read all the books and tell us about it. Yeah. The last important thing about mating that I wanted to add is that we decided they did it butt to butt. <laughs> oh i forgot that fact i forgot that too <laughs> ah. it's just too many spines you guys oh there's a lot of spines it doesn't make sense any way. oh my god no. the other option was one of them lies down which might also happen but i feel like we all just liked the idea of butt to butt better because it made us laugh
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so that's uh dragon mating
0: oh my god
1: unless you guys said anything to add that's delightful
0: I don't have anything on mating, but I want to pivot back on behavior because we skipped over, like, my favorite thing that i okay. remembered from Oh my god, mating. yeah. Well, it's because, like, all of us have a husbandry background, and so we went into oh, yeah. <laughs> dragon husbandry, and so we were like, okay, they would need, like, scale buffing, claw trimming, serrated claw sharpening, but then we also <laughs> went into the discussion of, like, why would a dragon husbandry be needed anyways? And then we came to the my favorite yeah. conclusion... Is <laughs> that the dragons are social grooming animals oh, and then yeah, hence yeah. without the other dragons they need husbandry when they're not Aww. with their group because Aww. they can't reach their own scales and stuff oh and so God. I just love that fact and so that I wanted to bring it one. back up yeah. yeah yeah, I love
1: that one <laughs> yeah. yeah I love it it's so good
0: 10 out of 10 So,
1: no notes, no notes. also there yeah
0: <laughs> social grooming hundred percent a thing <laughs> didn't
2: we also talk about how twilight vampires have social grooming <laughs> which is way Probably. funnier
1: which <laughs> so is <just> way funnier
2: <laughs> i
0: think it was a joke but <laughs> we also talked about who would win in a fight whether it was edward or Safira. Mm, we decided yeah. it was Safira. i yeah it's definitely Safira. she can rip his head off and then burn the pieces yep
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's fair <laughs>
0: Those were my only add-ins. I just wanted to make sure we brought back up the social grooming because I thought it was a very important point. That's amazing. That's extremely important. I am glad you brought it up. Yeah,
1: I do want to move to the next thing, which is magic. Oh my God. I have nothing about magic. (laughs) Oh no. Again, we hadn't really gotten into anything more than like the mind stuff, which I guess I... It was more on Aragon's side than on Sephira's. Yeah. Yeah. Other than like the only thing was that the mind talking could be like there are EEGs that can read thought patterns, which in theory one day could maybe lead to finding out what those thought patterns are.
0: But yeah. there's like
1: no technology even close to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's an actual scientific basis for what the magic allows to happen, but that's about it. That's all I had <laughs> all
0: right. on the mind speak. I the only thing I had from that was we did figure out kind of like how far they can go before it's not possible. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So we we knew from one point that they can do it across the city, and it seems like the range is in quotes leagues, which isn't a very good definition. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's pretty. It's pretty far. Yeah, but basically, like from across the cities, they were able to do it. So that was something. And then on the other, unless Hannah, do you have anything on mind speaking? You want to talk about now? I'm glad you had that though, because I could not remember
2: how far it was, and I knew (laughs) we'd talked about it.
0: (laughs) It's it's just leagues. That's all we know.
2: (laughs) Better than nothing. The
0: other magic thing we brought up, but we never actually really talked about it because I think we were so distracted by everything else going on in the chapter, is that, like, Sephira makes Brahms' tomb a diamond oh, yeah. oh, by yeah. touching it, but we never actually talk about, like... <laughs> How? <laughs> I think we all just kind of assumed it was magic and brush it off because I was like listening to the episode and I'm like okay I'm like getting ready to take the note and I'm like when are we gonna talk about it and like then we started talking <laughs> about what books we were reading and I was like <laughs> what, what? <laughs> we just like didn't talk about it I don't really think there's any conclusion to how it happened besides magic but that happened <laughs>
2: Well, in some of the later chapters, Saphira and Aragorn are talking about her magic, and she says that she has no control over it, which is probably yeah. why we couldn't talk about it at that point, because nobody, including her, knew what was going on. She did say she has no more control over it than a spider does, uh, which we all objected to, because spiders <laughs> do things with a lot of intention. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But one of the best theories we came to was that Saphira, like can't do magic intentionally, And part of that is probably because her magic is being used for, like, unconscious life processes, like flying Mm -hmm. or, like, keeping her gigantic dragon body working properly. But she can kind of channel it into specific tasks if she is thinking about it or, like, focusing on a specific thing that she wants to happen. So that's, like, really all we got about her, like, dragon magic in this book. Is that it's unconscious... But that, like, dragons are beings of magic, kind of. Yes. So they have a lot of magic in them. But as to how they use it, we don't know yet. But she can turn things to diamond. Yeah, and she, like, blessed that kid with the Varden just by, like, touching oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, she does a couple of just kind of weird things with magic that nobody, including her, can explain. And therefore, neither can we.
0: <laughs> no explanation, just vibes. Just vibes.
1: Yep. We're giving all those the check mark that just says, yes, it's magic. Yes, it's magic. <laughs> yeah, and with that, let's get into our final category. It's the last one, which is how big is Safira? Oh my God.
2: Uh, how big is she, though? <laughs> <laughs> how big is she? That's all I want to know from this book at this point is just how big is Safira? And I'd still.
1: I still don't know. Yeah, I only have, obviously, early days, Sephira size. Um, So at one point, her head is over a meter long. And at another point, she's taller than a horse. Okay. Yep.
0: At the shoulder. (laughs) That's the same thing I have. It's just that at one point, she's taller than a horse, uh, longer than a horse, but no one's really sure um, and I mentioned this before, but at one point Braun can wrap his arms around her neck. So that's yep. all really <laughs> I have to go on is that. <laughs> I mean, so
1: that means her neck is like two feet, right? Wide diameter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Okay. maybe she just <laughs> That's good to know. Neck. Well, I got the episodes where me and Sophie started doing unhinged dragon math. God. Yeah. <laughs> So the first one was me with my uh, Saphira's fang is as big as Aragorn's fist. I'm going to make a bunch of wild assumptions and use that (laughs) and the cover image to decide how big she was. And I came to the conclusion from that that she was at about six months old at that point. uh, (laughs) 3.6 meters tall at the shoulder, which would make her the height of 2.5 giraffes or a four-story building, and that her wingspan would be the same as a 747. At the
1: shoulder at of the four-story shoulder. Story building. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we did decide that that was implausible.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: <laughs> that wingspan was also like based on the Ichi proportions, and as we know, is not a glider, so she yeah. would probably have like yeah. slightly smaller wings, but still big as hell. And then we find out that hrothgar the dwarf king is knee high to sephira and that's when sophie does some math to come up with some slightly better numbers that she is either or she is probably around 13 feet at either her head or her shoulder depending on if she's digitigrade um or not plantigrade (laughs) plantigrade yep thanks (laughs) which would make her the height of 1.5 (laughs) drafts wow (laughs) <laughs> and then the last, like, more concrete number we get is that uh, when Aragorn is seated on Safira's back, he is too high up to fight a regular Urgle, but high enough to fight a cull, which are a minimum of eight feet tall. Taking into account Aragorn's height, his sword reach, and his sword length, that was another estimate of, like, ten to twelve feet at the shoulder. So, Safira's probably around twelve feet tall at her shoulder. Yes.
0: Yeah. Maybe. I believe that. 12 feet sounds right.
2: In one chapter, she's inside Ajahad's study, and then two chapters later, she's too big to fit inside of
1: a room. Oh my god. Wait, how much is that in meters? In meters, that's
2: three points... Oh, three point six meters which is about the same length as a great white shark
1: the i had the episode where you did a linear math of how tall safira should be oh my at god full growth. Uh-huh. you you got 3.3 meters
2: oh my god <laughs> <laughs> what the hell <laughs> so literally we just had to do a linear equation based on two data points yeah. that i harvested <laughs> from the early chapters i hate this book i'm quitting the podcast
0: I would just like to stay on the record that Hannah just said she hates this book. <laughs> ah! somebody,
1: somebody write that down.
0: This is that's stupid. Squished. It's a good thing oh, I'm editing this episode. <laughs> God, that's so funny. I'm <laughs> quitting. I'm never doing this podcast again.
1: Um. Okay, well, while Hannah quits, uh, just one last thing that <laughs> I can hear... Hannah quitting. From yeah, me too.
0: Here.
1: Um, I just in in the spirit of Twilight. I just want to confirm that we have a flying speed for Sephira of thirty nine kilometers per hour, oh, which yes. is about half the speed of a pigeon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's <laughs> great. Who designed this dragon?
0: A fifteen-year-old boy. Oh yeah, that explains so much. Oh my god. Yeah, uh,
1: that was with some heavy assumptions, but you know, it all is. <laughs>
2: dragons are stupid i came into this book loving dragons and i finished the book loving dragons and now i've changed my mind dragons are stupid i don't like
0: this those are some powerful
1: words you're gonna have to do so much math if you ever write a dragon book no i
2: don't want to write dragon math
1: i'll just hire sam to do the math for me
0: yeah
2: that's. A i'll do that idea. sam only does math if she's being paid but
0: no i would do math for you oh my god really well, yeah, if you actually needed it for like a book or something. Yeah.
1: That's friendship right there. Truly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I won't do it for the podcast, but if you do need it for a book, I will I will help you with that of course. I'll make fun of all the times
1: you accidentally spell a word wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and by that I mean edit. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, I think that uh summarizes our dragon biology. Wow. I think we did it. That was a lot. I'm of exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted also. Oh my god. <laughs> but not as exhausted as the Twilight one, so I'm glad we True. split it up three ways this time. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: Sophie wasn't in yeah. grad school when we did the Twilight one yet. So yeah. She did I was in quarantine work. for two entire
1: weeks, so I needed things to do. <laughs> but that's it. Wow. Thanks for uh, definitely reading Aragon along with us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everyone at home. Mm-hmm. We're not reading the next book next. No. <laughs> no. Some of us are. Some of us named Hannah are. Uh, yeah. But that's it for Aragon. The end. Wow. Time to Good. go to sleep. <laughs> Goodbye. Because <laughs> it's the end of the chapter.
0: Do you get it? <laughs>
1: oh my god. Oh. I didn't.
0: I'm gonna pass out into, to, into tomorrow. <laughs> into the next Into chapter. the next book. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna pass out into my next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I want that as a sticker. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll
1: have some. Uh, Yeah, let's talk about what else we're reading. I might have mentioned this in the last one, but I haven't picked up anything new. So I'm still reading,
0: rereading Harrow the Ninth. Nice. Nice. And that's it. It's wild. (laughs) What about you guys? I haven't started anything new. I'm still reading the same. Um, Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher, Harrow the Ninth. And uh, I'm still trying to read The Lies of Locke Lamora. Oopsie! Oh. <laughs> I'm reading
2: The Lies of Locke Lamora, and it's so good. Ah. <laughs> I forgot, and it's just reminding me, that like Jean Tannen is possibly my favorite fictional character of all time. Like I just love him.
1: <laughs> so well, I like that you call him Jean, I call him Jean.
2: So do I. I'm listening to the audiobook this time, and they call him Jean. So. Oh, they call him Jean. Oh. Jean yeah.
1: Aww. yeah. Oh, I love him. He's just the best. I'm getting my flu and bivalent vaccine tomorrow, and my plan is to just read <laughs> the lives of Lachlamore all day. Wow. Oh, nice. What a good <laughs> day.
2: I am also reading uh, "Oceans Echo." I just got it. It just came <gasps> out yesterday, oh and I'm only like 50 pages in, but it's so good so far. It's by Everina oh. Maxwell, who's the same author who wrote Winters. Orbit. orbit winter's orbit yeah and it's set in the same universe but with new characters and i'm really enjoying it so far
0: yay
2: this episode does not come out on november 11th but it does come out in november and we will be reading piranessi by Susanna clark for our midlight book club hopefully yay. by that point
0: hopefully. hopefully hopefully
2: that's the whole thing so uh if you enjoyed reading aragon along with us at midlight crisis consider rating and reviewing us on your podcatcher of choice or on spotify i've forgotten how to do the outro you can find fun related content on social media at midlight pod on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok and all chapters of the show thus far are available on our website midlightpod.podbean.com and on youtube
0: and since we don't have a quote from Aragon this week we're going to announce the next book we're reading which is (laughs) ride by james patterson
1: oh yeah oh man yeah
0: yeah. (laughs) it's
1: my turn baby (laughs) i don't want to hate this book at the end of it but i will but you will (laughs) but you might